0: 2 Kings 14, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says in verse number 1, In the second year of Joash, son of Jehoaz, king of Israel, reigned Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. He was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehudadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David his father. And then listen to this last phrase. He did according to all things as Joash his father did. He did according to all things as Joash his father did. Lord, we come to you this morning asking for your... Guidance, asking for you to work in hearts, asking, Lord, that you would uh, do what I cannot. Oh, Lord, I can prepare, I can preach. But, Lord, only you can change lives. And I pray, Lord, that that would take place today. I pray that you would encourage dads, especially this morning, that you would help us to endeavor to be like you as our children are endeavoring to be like us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank You, you may be seated. Well, never forget, as long as I live, the moment that I found out that I was going to be a father for the very first time. Uh, We were on vacation, my wife and I were. We were on a cruise to Alaska. And actually, we were done with visiting the different ports in Alaska, and we were on our way to British Columbia to visit the island of Victoria. And uh, while we were on that journey... My wife got up and wasn't feeling super hot, chalked it up to being a little seasick, but she happened to pack with her a couple tests in the suitcase just in case. Well, she woke up early one morning, again, feeling a little what she thought was seasick, but thought, I'm going to take one of these tests just to see if maybe the Lord has allowed us to be parents. Well, the test came back positive, and it was early in the morning, and again, as I mentioned, we were on vacation, so I wanted to sleep in. Well, she had some news that she just couldn't wait, so she was kind of pacing the room and kind of making noise and, you know, trying to wake me up, and I'm just, you know, snod, you know, sawing logs, and, and finally she kind of plops on the bed and kind of moves the bed and, you know, and still making noise, and finally I kind of come to, and And uh, she has, and I'm kind of like, you know, squinting and looking at her with, and she's got this, you know, glow in her face and she's got this smile that I'll never forget. And I was like, hello, (laughs) you realize what time it is? We're on vacation. We're supposed to be resting and enjoying relaxing. And and she's like, yeah, but I want to give you something she gave me this little card it's a square card a real small one and it had three letters on the front d a d dad i looked at that and i kind of started and she said turn it over and i turned it over and it said this eric quote daddy you're going to make a great dad congratulations from julie mom she was telling me that we were finally expecting our first child now you need to remember before that or you need to understand before that we had tried for about a year and a half or 2 years to have a child and we had gotten to the point where it looked like god was going to let us just be julian and eric and we were okay with that but we did have a desire to be parents when we got that when i got that card it was amazing. I was going to be a dad. Well, later that day we got onto Victoria Island and we were just so excited. And and uh, for those who've been on cruise liners, when you get off the port, there's always people there trying to get your business. And there was a limo driver there offering to take people around uh, Victoria Island and kind of tour them and give them a tour of the island. And so he was trying to get the the, the passengers from this cruise ship to Use his services. So he approached us and said, Hey, you guys want a tour? I've got some really good prices. And uh, I don't know how it came up, but I just blurted out, We're going to be parents. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a dad. We were so excited. I remember at that moment being overwhelmed with lots of different emotions. I was filled, obviously, with excitement and joy, but I also felt a fear and an immediate weight of responsibility. To be an example to this new life that God had entrusted to our care. That was almost 16 years ago and four children ago. Since that time, fatherhood has brought me a lot of things. Fatherhood has brought me some laughter, to be sure. These crazy things that these kids have done and have said constantly make me laugh. I've uh, Earlier on in our parenting, uh, since we've had four children now, this is not exactly the most current of books But uh, my wife did write down some funny things that the children have said over the years. And I'd like to share a few of them with you this morning, mainly for the purpose of embarrassing them. Uh, Seth, who was two and a half at the time, he was looking at our wedding picture. And here's what Seth said. That's my daddy, pointing to me, of course. And that's you, pointing to Julie. Daddy's not wearing a hat, And you're not wearing a hat. Mommy said, okay, well, what's that on Mommy's head then? And this is, of course, our wedding picture, and, you know, she had the veil on. And uh, Seth said, or Seth looks intently, and then Mommy says, do you know what that's called? And Seth said, yes, I do. Well, what's it called? Um, It's called a curtain. So (laughs) that's what he thought she was wearing on her head, and that is a curious thing. Well, let's see. There's a lot of things here. Um, Luke, uh, this is when he was uh, almost three years old He was looking around the house for Faith uh, Who was actually taking a nap in her crib And uh, after not finding her, he came to Julie and said Mommy, I can't find Faith Did you put her back in your tummy? (laughs) That would be a pretty good hiding spot actually But not one that she wanted to use, I'm sure uh, Seth, who was is four years old, uh, and Faith was two months old at this time. Seth was talking to Faith, and, and he said to her, Wow, you're getting to be a big girl. Pretty soon you're going to be a big old mama, and then you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to say, Do you know what heaven is? It's a good place. If you believe in Jesus, you can go there. But if not, you will go to hell. So this was his whole witnessing, you know, spiel. (laughs) I don't know if I would recommend using that when you go to a house, uh, inviting people out for vacation Bible school. You're going to be a big old mama and then die. (laughs) That's what Seth said. Let's see. Here's another one. Uh, Seth started kindergarten. This is once Seth started kindergarten, and Luke was praying for Seth to stop going to school because he misses him during the day. What happened to that type of a relationship? (laughs) I'm just, are you sure? I mean, it's written down. I'm not sure I believe it, though. Um, Luke walked past uh, Julie one day uh, when her stomach was growling, and he said, Mom, I just heard God in your tummy. He's putting a new baby in there to grow. (laughs) Seth, when he was age six uh, and Faith was almost two, Dad, if you're the head of the home, does that make Faith the feet of the home? I would say, yes, it does. So there's others that uh, I could share and go on and on, but we need to move on for time. But uh, being a father has brought a lot of laughter. It's also taught me a lot of patience. I mean, all the diapers, all the messes. Uh, The one mess that I'll never forget is when Seth was in the garage in California with one of those styrofoam packaging things that come in all boxes. He just thought it would be fun to break all these little styrofoam balls apart. Well, have you ever tried to clean up styrofoam balls? It's not an easy thing. I tried to sweep them up. I tried to vacuum them up. But they, the more I tried, the more they got spread around the garage. And I'm sure there's still hundreds of them in that garage to this day. So thank you, Seth. I'm gonna, when, you, when you go out on your own and you get a garage, you know what I'm doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fatherhood has also brought me tons of joy seeing my three oldest children get saved, follow Christ in water baptism, grow in their relationship with God, walking in on them while they're reading their Bibles. They're not perfect children by any stretch of the imagination, but I have been blessed, and uh, I have, they have brought me some great joy. Father, it has also taught me the influence of a father that is undeniably critical in a child's life. George Herbert correctly said this one father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. Listen to some of these statistics about the fatherless, those who do not have fathers in the home. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patient Patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of youths in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from, you guessed it, fatherless homes. You see, our role as fathers is a lot more important than sometimes we think it is. One of the many reasons that it is so important is because oftentimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You've heard that before. In other words, our kids are likely going to follow our example, good or bad. Oh, this morning in our text, we see this truth illustrated so vividly. We see a son who indeed followed the footsteps of his father. See, King Joash had a son named Amaziah. The Bible records that Amaziah did according to all things as Joash, his father, did. He grew up wanting to be just like dad. It's amazing as you study the lives of both Joash and Amaziah. They both started out as good kings, but later in life began to go the wrong direction. See, like father, like son, a chip off the old block. I even find myself doing and saying some of the same things that I remember my dad saying and doing when I was growing up. As much as I want to fight against it, it's happening. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart. So let me say this, that we are all training our children whether we realize it or not. Obviously, Solomon is telling us to intentionally, deliberately train our children in the way he should go. Whether we're intentionally, deliberately doing it or not, we are still indeed training our children. We are training them with our words and with our walk, and we need to remember that what we do oftentimes speaks so loud that our children can't even hear what we're saying. And so you can maybe say the right things, but if we're not doing the right things, it's going to negate the message we're trying to communicate. So the sobering reality is this. Our children are watching our lives and are most likely going to follow in our footsteps. I know there's some who break the cycle and praise the Lord for those who do. Those who uh, are raised in in the right direction and sometimes, unfortunately, they don't. Uh, follow that direction, I get that happens, but by and large, most children follow the example set before them by their parents. Uh, most Most follow and emulate what they see, so of course, that begs the question: What should our response be to all of that to all of this? My recommendation is that we, who are dads, do the same things our kids are doing let 's look to our heavenly father and try to follow in his footsteps so that it like as father like son so that i look at find out who he is and and how he behaves and his characteristics and try to emulate that in my own life so that as my children look at me they ultimately are pointed to their heavenly father so this morning let's Briefly, quickly focus on six characteristics of our Heavenly Father and do our best to implement these qualities into our lives as dads. Of course, for those here today who are not fathers, uh, many of you are in that, in, in that boat. Let's, let these truths cause you to rejoice in your Heavenly Father if you have believed on Christ. So today we're going to spell the word Father. Don't get nervous. I believe we're going to get through these quickly. So first of all, we want to look at the letter F. Letter F stands for faithful. God is faithful. Uh, we just sung a few moments ago, great is thy faithfulness. When it comes to our Heavenly Father, one of the first qualities that I think about is, that, is, is of his faithfulness. The Bible is full, of course, of references that prove he is faithful and worthy of our dependence. Deuteronomy 7 and verse number 9, know, ye, know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Revelation nineteen eleven: I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, he is the Everlasting Father. And if you're one of his children, he will always be your father. There's nothing you can do to remove yourself from his family. He will never turn his back on you. He's promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what we do, no matter who I become, God will always be there for me. God will never bail on me. He'll never be an absentee dad. He'll always be present. He is faithful. Since my heavenly father, of course, is so faithful, he is worthy of my dependence. Reminds me of a story that I read about a uh, a father and son. One day, this father was uh, walking out in the country with his son Zach. They got to climbing around in some cliffs, and and uh, this dad heard a voice from above. He said, "Hey, Dad, catch me!" Well, he turned around to see Jack joyfully jumping off a rock straight at him. And he had jumped, and then yelled, "Dad, catch me!" <laughs> And he became, he said, an instant circus act, catching him, and they both fell to the ground. For a moment after he caught him, uh, he could hardly talk. When finally he found his voice, he said, Zach, can you give me one good reason why you did that? Zach responded with a remarkable calmness. He said, sure, because you're my dad. His whole assurance was based on the fact that his father was there and that he was faithful. And he could be trusted. Okay, so God, the father is faithful. Well, what about us? What about you, dad? Are you faithful? Am I faithful? Of course, we need to be faithful in several areas. First of all, we need to be faithful to God first and foremost. I need to be faithful to spend time with God in His Word and and in prayer and spending time getting to know Him and spending time with Him. I need to be uh, faithful to the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I need to be faithful to lead my family in righteousness. I need to be faithful to God. I need to be faithful to my dear wife. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in a child's life is for a mom and dad to split apart. The confusion that caused, the hurt that that brings and the scars are innumerable. It's hard to measure that. And so I need to foster my relationship with my wife. I need to keep nurturing that relationship because one of the greatest ways to love my children is to love my wife and to have a strong marriage. I need to let them know that I love my wife and that I need to be faithful to my kids. Faithful to where I don't put work first, that I put them above work in my life. Easier said than done, I know, but it needs to be done. Look, obviously no one in this room is perfect and we're all going to fail from time to time. But let's decide to implement a faithful, dependable quality about us that will foster security among our, our kids. If there was one moment that God stopped being faithful, that would always cause us right to question whether God was going to be faithful to us in the time we needed him most. God is always faithful, and I'm thankful for that. And we need to live a a life that would bring some security and, and hope for our children. Fortunately, we live in a day when many children are growing up without a dad for one reason or another. Obviously, that is a shame and the the reason why God desires to be a father to the fatherless. I'm thankful that God is faithful to provide for his children. Matthew chapter 7 is a great passage. I encourage you to maybe jot that down and look it up uh, a little later. And look how God provides for his children. God is also faithful to protect his children. Uh, I think about uh, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, God says, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God promises to protect us as a, as a good father would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And so as a result of his provision and his protection in our lives, we need to do that as well in our own homes. We need to protect, obviously, Physically. I mean, I hope that uh, you know most of us dads take seriously our our uh, calling to protect our our homes physically from uh, perhaps intruders that would try to come in. I'm reminded of a story that took place in our home back in California. We had all the children upstairs, and there was one more room upstairs, and we were in that one and uh, my wife has those mom ears that wake up for any little you know, a cricket could be 18 miles away and she'll hear it, you know, um, a pin will drop and she'll hear it, but I can, sl- I slept through the storms last night, I didn't even know if there were storms last night, it was great, I think it was probably that men and boys camp out that caused us to be so tired, <laughs> for those who went, I think all the guys were exhausted, all the kids slept on the way home, but but anyway, my wife had these, has these mom ears, and so uh, I have a fan blowing on me every night, no matter how cold it is or how hot it is. It's just blowing on me, and I like that white noise. So I didn't hear anything, but but she woke me up. It was in the middle of the night sometime. She said, Eric, I think I hear somebody trying to get into our house. And I said, well, huh? You know, <laughs> it takes me a while to kind of wake up and I'm making grunting noises. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what's going on. She's like, Eric, I hear somebody. It sounds like somebody's trying to get into our house with the key or trying to, you know, use some type of device to get to to open and unlock the door. It's like, okay, that's nice. Let's go back to bed. I don't hear it. She's like, no, I just heard it. I'm serious. I think this is real. Uh, Do you want me to go down there and deal with it? All right, I'll get up. <laughs> the, the old guilt trip, you know. Like, I'm not going to be that chumpy, you know. I'm a chump here, but I don't, I'm not going to go that far. So I get out of bed. She's like, well, aren't you going to, like, bring something with you? And I'm like, oh, good idea. First thing I thought of was uh, in, my, in one of my closed drawers, there was a, a, a pocket knife. Like that's really going to help me. But that's what I grabbed in that moment. I grab a pocket knife. I walk downstairs, and she's upstairs kind of looking down the stairs. And I just boldly open the door, you know. Like, what if there is somebody there trying to get in, and they have a gun and stuff, and I've got this little Swiss Army knife. Like, okay, I'm going to get you now. I'm protecting my family with a Swiss Army knife. And uh, I walk outside, and I noticed that the sensors were on, uh, the movement sensors that, that uh, we had around. Uh, the lights came on, and uh, I realized that there was somebody there, but I, we, we didn't see anybody and we went inside, and I went back to sleep. It took her three or four hours to fall back to sleep. And uh, so we need to take seriously our job as dads to protect our families physically. But... I would say as important, maybe if not more important, we need to protect them spiritually. Uh, we need to put the same effort that we would in maybe having a security system for our home, maybe getting some weapons in the home or, you know, whatever we do to protect our families physically, we need to, do, uh, we need to be protecting them spiritually. And making sure that the influences that come into our home are, are godly and right, not just letting any movie come in and be played in our home. Not just letting any television show be shown in our home, uh, making sure that we're watching what they're looking at on the internet and, and the different friends that they have in their lives, being a watchman for our homes. We need to take seriously our calling. And just like God would protect us, we need to protect our families. God is also faithful to discipline his children, is he not? Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, verse number 6. Says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. See, God even disciplines his children, and of course, as a dad, it is my responsibility to make sure that I am disciplining my children as well. Proverbs thirteen, twenty four. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Dads, are you modeling the character of God for your children? Kids want to be just like dad, and so should we, so let's decide to be faithful. Next, we see that our Heavenly Father is not only faithful, he's also, letter A, affectionate. He's affectionate. Over and over again in the Word of God, we find our Heavenly Father expressing his love, his affection to us. Of course, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He expressed it. He showed his affection for us. Ephesians 2 and verse 4, God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Uh, We're reminded of God's love so many times. And we're also not only told that God loves us, but we're we're told that he proved it too when he sent his only begotten son to die an innocent death so that you and I, who were his enemies, could be part of his family, to be his child. And so I want to encourage all of us as dads to have love, yes, for our children, but to be affectionate in how we communicate it. I know it's not the most manly thing. Maybe, and maybe your dad didn't do this for you when you grew up, but I'm telling you, your children need affection, godly affection. So let's be affectionate, of course, toward the Lord, uh, first and foremost, and expressing love for him, but then also expressing uh, love for your wife. Many times in our home, uh, I'll kiss my wife. My kids will say, I saw that. Seth doesn't ever like to see that, though. He doesn't, He's not part of that group. He's like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> but the other three love to see it and try to catch us kissing. They, it's healthy for them to see us express love for one another. It's healthy. But then also, not only be affectionate towards God and toward your spouse, but also toward your children. And we need to do this with our words. Look, when was the last time your children heard you say to them that you love them? God has told us He loves us. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. So, with our words, use words to communicate to your children that you indeed love them. Use your touch. Hey, it's okay to hug your children. It's okay to hold their hands. I guess it would be kind of awkward for Seth and I to walk along the street holding hands, but when they're young. A kiss on the cheek. Again, I'm probably not going to kiss Seth on the cheek. But a arm around them or slugging the shoulder. Those are good things. to let them know that you love them. Find ways to touch your children appropriately, obviously. I know this is a day where... Uh, inappropriateness is, uh, but don't let the rise of inappropriateness cause us to not touch our children at all. Uh, we need to snuggle with them. We need to love on them. Father of the prodigal son. It's interesting as as that prodigal son comes home. What did that What did that father do? Did he say, "Looks like my son's coming." It smells like my son's coming. Whoa. You've been hanging out with the pigs again, haven't you? Dude, go to the shower. Hit the shower, son. That's not what he did. Here's what Luke fifteen twenty records. And he rose, came to his father, but when he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, he stunk, no doubt. His breath probably was horrible. That didn't matter to his dad. He showed great affection to his son. So I would encourage us to show affection with our words, with our touch. And with our time, kids spell love, not L-O-V-E, but T-I-M-E. We need to give kids our time. And I know we sometimes say, well, I just want to give them quality time, not quantity time. In order to get the quality time, you need to have the quantity time. You can't just say, hey, kid, i got five minutes. Tell me what's going on in your heart. No kid in their right mind is going to say, okay, Dad, well, I've been struggling with this, and I've been dealing with this, and I'm, I've, I've had this problem at school with this kid. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, Dad, I'm fine. I'm good. You need that extended time with them to say, hey, tell me about what's going on in your heart. Or they can feel comfortable to share it with you. So that's affection. Secondly, or thirdly here, the letter T, trustworthy. We've successfully spelled the word fat uh, so far. Trustworthy, though, is another characteristic of who our God is. David said, the Lord's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, the God of my rock, and him will I trust. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. See, God, when, when, when David looked at God, he realized that he could place his faith and trust in him. And God, our Heavenly Father, is certainly worthy of our trust, and, and we should be as well. And so I want to encourage all of us as dads to keep our promises. Keep our promises with God. Many of you have made decisions to do things, to change course in your life. To change the way maybe you uh, raise your children to honor the Lord. Keep your promises. Keep your promises with God, with your family member, in business. Your kids need to know that you are a man of your word. Kids need to know that your word is your bond and that you are a man of integrity. James 5.12 says, But of all, above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea. In your nay-nay, lest you fall into condemnation. In other words, if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. Shoot straight with your kids. It's important for us, especially those who have younger children in the home, tell the truth when they're young so so that you can continue to build trust and that they'll come to you when they're older. When everything you've told them is lies, when they're older and they need you the most. They're not going to come to you because you're probably just going to lie to me again. So shoot straight with your kids. And kids, teenagers, can I talk to you for just a quick moment here? I want to encourage you to trust your parents and their guidance. I know just about every parent in the room today and I know that they have your best in mind and in heart. When they try to tell you to do something or to not do something, they're not trying to... Make your lives miserable. They don't have a meeting that morning and say, let's see, how can we ruin our kids' lives? I know. We'll tell them this. We'll make them change this in their lives. That'll really get them. No parent in this room does that. Okay, maybe my wife and I do. No, we don't. And so, kids, trust your parents. Follow them. Trust them. They want what's best for you. So the letter, letter T stands for trustworthy. Letter H. We'll move through these last three fairly quickly today. Letter H stands for holy. God, of course, is holy. Holiness is the chief attribute of our Heavenly Father. It is said that He is holy, holy, holy two different times in the Bible, once in Isaiah and once in Revelation. He is holy. It's His chief attribute. Then Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Be holy, for I am holy. So God says to us, I'm holy, but I want you to also be holy. So our children should see that we are endeavoring to be holy, even as He is holy. To be set apart unto God and away from the world. Encourage us all to turn our eyes upon Jesus, and we'll see that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. D. Elamudi, who said this, A holy life will make the deepest impressions. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. God wants us as dads to be a holy example living before these children. We don't always have to talk about how holy we are. It'll just be obvious. I would encourage us to be holy because He is holy. The letter E. The letter E stands for Engaged. We've already mentioned that he is faithful and that he is there, but this attribute, of course, goes a little further than that. and indicates that he is actively involved in our lives and cares about every aspect of our life, big and small. He knows how many hairs are on our heads, or in my case, how many hairs are not on my head. He knows everything about us, and he cares about it all. He cared about what you had for breakfast three weeks ago. He cares about everything. And he's engaged. I want to encourage us to be engaged in the uh, lives of our children. A young man was sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known this young man from childhood, for he was well acquainted with his father, who was a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trusts. Well, do you remember your father?' asked the judge. "'I remember him well,' your honor," came the reply. Then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge said, "'As you are about to be sentenced and as you think of your wonderful dad, "'what do you remember most clearly about him?' There was a pause. Then the judge received an answer he had actually not quite expected. "'Well, I remember when I, was, I, when I went to him for advice,' he looked at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away saying, run along, son, this book, this book must be finished. Your honor, you, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a distant authority. The judge muttered to himself, alas, he finished the book but lost the boy. Look, I, I, accomplishments are great. Awards are great. Promotions are great. But those things are really meaningless if you lose your children. Amen. Your children are your primary ministry, your primary responsibility while they're under your care Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political figure and diplomat, kept a diary. One day he entered this into his diary. Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. Well, his son, Brooke Adams, who also kept a diary, which is still in existence, on that same day Brooke Adams made this entry, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life see, the father thought he was wasting time while fishing with his son, but his son saw it as an investment of time. I want to encourage us as dads today to be engaged in the lives of our children. I want to encourage us to be available to listen to our children, to play with our children, to have a relationship with our children. Because you can have rules until the day is long, but rules without relationship breeds rebellion. We need to... Let them know that we love them and that we're there for them in the good times and in the bad. We need to be engaged. The last letter this morning is the letter R and that stands for righteous. God, of course, is the righteous one and we spent some time as we went through the last series, How Great Thou Art on the Righteousness of God. So I won't go too much into it this morning. But I'd like to say this, when it comes to our righteousness as dads, there's a couple... Areas that we need to be righteous in. First of all, we need to be righteous positionally. Be made righteous with God. When God looks at you, does he see a righteous one? Or does he see one that is not righteous? Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Without Christ, this is how God views us. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. But in Christ... Here's what happens in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, For he, Jesus, hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. None of us are righteous, but God wants to give us his righteousness that he is extending to us because of what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. So the question for us is, have we been made righteous through Christ? Have we been Born again. So positional righteous. And then uh, lastly here. Practical righteousness. Uh, living a life pleasing to God. Titus chapter 2. And verse 12. Says teaching us. That denying ungodliness. And worldly lust. We should live soberly. Righteously. And godly. In this present world. In Oklahoma. In 2019. With all the sin. That is rampant. In our culture. With all the. Uh, social media and the internet and smart devices and all of that, God still wants us to be righteous in this present world. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once wrote a poem called Do Right. And it goes like this from the very start. Have purpose in your heart to do right, what's right and never question why. Never count the cost, though everything seems lost. The price for doing right is sometimes high. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right, do right. Well, this morning we've seen six wonderful characteristics about our Heavenly Father that He is faithful, that He is affectionate, that He is trustworthy, that He's holy that he's engaged, and that he's righteous. And his earthly fathers, let's implement these same qualities into our own life, into our homes, into our parenting. Why? Well, because a little fellow follows me. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I dare not go astray, for fear he'll go the self same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says, he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. Oh, the base in me, he must not see that little fellow who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am building for the years to be the little chap. Who follows me? He wants to be just like me. So I want to be just like him. Like Father, like Son. And perhaps there are some today who do not know, do not yet know the Heavenly Father. Well, maybe you've heard about Him. Maybe you even know a lot about Him. My question to you is this Do you know Him? Is He your Heavenly Father? Or are you of the Father, the devil? Because I'm telling you, friend, it is one of the two. And the only way to a, a relationship with God is through believing on the Son. John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't have a relationship with the Father unless you go through the Son. First John five twelve says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Very simple. Do you have the Son?